Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello and welcome to What Load of Cobblers, Friday Night Lights, the Northampton Town Audio Show, the podcast equivalent of a Bertrand Kozic back hill. I'm Tom Reed and tonight I'm joined by Warwick regulars Andy Bodfish and Martin Maloney. Ian Brandt is currently camping outside Chile Village in town, waiting for it to reopen after lockdown. But never fear, we have a more than capable substitute in the form of James Averill. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, All right, mate. Very good here. Good very stuff, good, thanks. Guys. Good, good to have you on board, James. It's uh, We've got a bit of squad depth together now, so you feel free to pop on whenever you want. Oh, um, I'll be up to any time. Yeah, yeah. You had a, you had a bit, had that little bit of quality to the, uh, the production. <laughs> we, we need you really bad. Saying that we worked at the Herald and Post together. <laughs> yeah, but just keep bringing that quality because we, we really badly need it. Um, we normally go around the group for the football moment of the week, but the whole week is really been framed by the death of the great one Diego Maradona for me the greatest player of all time um, Andy he's a player that means a lot to you too doesn't he probably the key footballing figure in your formative years yeah that's probably a fair comment I mean we're all of a similar-ish age so a um, little bit well too young for Pele and yeah Maradona was the uh, the big presence uh, in the footballing world when I was getting into the game and starting to follow it. And, you know, you sort of, um, you look up to certain people and he was one of them, not only the, the playing side of it, but I mean, what a life really. I mean, we've all seen the Asif Kapadia film, um, which was on again last night. I'm going to say, I didn't see it last night, but I'm going to seek it out again in the wake of wake of the sad news and just what a colossal life that bloke led. Um, and in, yeah, in a footballing sense, Mexico 86, first tournament I remember. Uh, just just an otherworldly figure. Um, and obviously the, the, the reaction on social media with everyone putting up their memories of him and this, that and the other. Everyone's been sharing the little clips that you've seen sporadically over the last few years. And mm. the one I always remember um, is him doing keepy uppies with his shoulder before the kickoff. Yeah, the first game in Italia 90. And there's another, I mean, his shoulder, it's ridiculous, just dancing around and the ball's sort of bouncing 10, 15 yards in the air. And there's also oh, a cracking clip of him training, I think, for Napoli. And it's a pouring with rain, pitch yeah. is like a swamp. And he's just overheading it and, you know, chipping it. And um, I mean, just an incredible, incredible uh, footballer. So, yeah, so we'll say Pele. Just for almost the life he led, really. I mean, Maradona for me. I felt a bit weird when I saw the news. That, that's well said. And genius is often flawed, isn't it? There's not too many geniuses that are just straight down the line. So it often comes with a different side to the personality. And maybe it sort of counterbalances that the pressure on. Yeah, know, the geni- so. genius madness thing in, in full flow mm. there. We can all see it. I mean, Pele, genius. I mean, yeah, there's an element of madness about... Um, Endorsing Viagra, um, but I mean the 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 other side of it. Uh, you know, for me, Maradona is the greatest of all time, just because of his his ball control and his his ability on the ball. I don't think anyone's ever surpassed it really. Like you say, with the the clips you've seen him doing keep up his with golf balls, him doing keep up his just with his shoulder, and just 
football is about being comfortable on the ball and the best players are the ones that just have that supreme control of the ball and it was shown in his second goal for England um, a lot of England fans still smart over that first hand of God goal but I was never one to be you know so sour over it because he was such a brilliant player that you can't just focus on that hand of God moment which is one moment um, kids in the playground wanted to be Maradona and I think kids can see skill for what it is and the best players for what they are and you know, he was always a hero in the playground yeah. for me. What about you, Martin? Um, you know, you're you've got sort of Irish roots and stuff. Maybe that hand of God thing isn't so important to you, and you can probably see how good he was as well. Um, I suppose if I if I put my my kind of Republic of Ireland head on, you know, I mean, I we we lost um a a playoff um against France with a Thierry Henry handball, and we were a bit sour about it at the time. We didn't think that, you know, I don't think many of us thought that made Thierry Henry a terrible, evil person. You still look back and think, well, cracking, cracking striker, thoroughly decent, thoroughly decent bloke. Um, did did something to get an advantage, got away with it. I think, you know, my thoughts on Mar- Maradona, there's probably it's probably twofold. There's Maradona as a as a player and a person. As a player, wonderful. I remember the, the 86 um World Cup semi-final really vividly. Um, it was, you know, I didn't think it was ha- at the time. I think I'm sure the commentator said they were appealing for offside. It wasn't as obvious to everyone as it looks when we've all grown up and had our lives with that photo of him punching the ball over Shilton's head. And it's probably one of them things that you'll try to do 99 times out of 100, you get in a yellow card. Did it once, got away with it. But that doesn't, you know, that's just good luck, you know. Good luck to you. You know, we we liked enough rascals at the Cobblers who've um, got away with murder. Um, we, you know, it, it it ill behooves any of us to um to look at one moment and kind of judge someone for their their a wonderful career and and a wonderful footballer on on that. And I think we see that in in people's um, social media posts and that. The people who still go on about Maradona's handball, they're people who, uh, through jingoistic nationalism, elevate one tiny aspect of someone's career way above the fact that we were privileged, uh, those of us in our 30 and lots um, age group, to have seen one of the greatest players in the world. What's also, I think, something that I love is he was so terribly flawed not you know not for the handball because you know, I think most people would have tried would have tried that at one point rather than a career his just happened at a particularly pivotal one but for for all of the wonderful goals there was you know the drink the dr- drink drugs women something wonderfully human about him there's something about the you know I I'm trying to think of your know, people who are so perfect who are so dedicated to their craft yeah. And make the most out of what they've got. And we we admire them. You know, the players, I'm trying to think, the Graham Reeds, the Pedge Bowiches, um, the people are, are so, you know, they've got, they, they're a better player than any of us, even if they didn't try. But they had to try to be the best mm. they could at the level they got to. Yeah. Maradona had it all. And he had a good time doing it. Yeah. Quite like George Best sort of thing. And it's like, and you know, without being too lighthearted, but you know, I don't think we should be too morbid about celebrating someone's life. Had that little bit of there's something, there's an Alan Partridge line about Wings, the band the Beatles could have been, Maradona, the, the player Ishmael de Montagnac should have been. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's a good point. I never had thought I'd hear those two in the same sentence but we have heard it and it did make me chuckle a little bit that the cobblers bless them they did a little you know um sort of tribute to diego maradona and it was almost like someone painting their garden shed sort of doing a tribute to like caravaggio that was such as a difference between maradona and cobblers but i <laughs> i thought it was i thought it was sweet that they that they did that and you know that you know maybe maradona's family might read it and say well we've got some fans in Northampton." Um, Let's go to you, James. Um, just obviously just a, a fantastic player and football needs superstars, doesn't it? And that's one less now. Yeah, well, Maradona was, I, I know I, I look older than I am and I didn't actually 
watch Maradona. Um, you know, I was born 91, so it was kind of just, you know, my first Cobbers game was in 97, so I didn't really start watching football before that, and that's the year he retired. So, But even growing up, having never watched him, you knew that he was the man. And I think what he did was, yes, he was a football superstar, but he almost transcended football. I mean, I, I remember that Mar- Maradona film, uh, I think Andrew, Andrew was um, referring to, it was on it was shown on TV, Channel 4, in the first lockdown, wasn't it? And uh, a housemate of mine who has zero interest in football came down and watched it, was just thoroughly fascinated by just the man, the character, and as kind of Martin alluded to, it's that that human flaw that you see that almost makes him more revered because we can relate to the struggles that he would have gone through growing up, you know, struggles with addiction, things like that. You know, he, every every kind of person can relate to some small part of, of kind of Maradona's personality. Um, and the fact that he was just so gifted with a football kind of almost transcended that I mean you only have to look at how revered he was in in Naples uh, I think to see what kind of impact he had on on the game but also society as well you know he wasn't just a footballer to them he was their god um you know united a whole city at a time when you know it, it they were pretty divided and, and things like that and yeah, he he was just he was more than a footballer. I think that's the only way you can you can describe him really. Um, but as footballers go, I, I, he's he's definitely um, definitely probably the, the the best of the ages. I always think it's slightly unfair to compare, you know, do the who's who's the best argument because eras are so different. You know, it, you can't really compare Messi now with with Maradona because they're completely different times. But I suppose the thing that Maradona had was the fact that back then, well, I'm, I'm guessing from what you could see, you could just kick people and get away with it. And he yeah. just used to skip past them. Um, whereas your players nowadays won't have to deal with that kind of thing, but they're also dealing with a much faster paced game. So it's kind of, you know, there's different, different realities when you discuss who's the best of all time. But I get the sense that Maradona is like the footballer's footballer. So I think that possibly does just give him an edge over everyone else, really. That's well said and quite poignant from someone, you know, that didn't, a bit younger, maybe didn't see him play, but it just shows the resonance he's got with around the football world that, you know, people like so, yourself. It's also still... that, that, sort of, that, that street fighter element he had. I mean, I, I was reading one. Yeah, it was tough, tough. Well, well, yeah, just very, you know, from the favelas of, uh, mm. you know, the shanties of Buenos Aires. Um, and I think I read a, quote i think from him he said uh some years ago that uh, you know if i was wearing a a strange lyrical way that um you know uh, that sort of people from that latino background speak but if i was wearing a white wedding dress on my wedding day and a a muddy ball came over to me you know i just i'd chest trap it down and i wouldn't i wouldn't think twice about it and that just that absolute um I'm just almost born with a sort of ball at his feet, and that's all he ever, ever wanted to do, really. You know, boiling hot, sort of 30 degrees, or muddy pitch in the middle of winter at training. You know, just the whole time he just wanted to be playing football. And that's why I think there's, you know, such a cross the board sort of goodwill. Yeah, you know, talking about whether he's the best in the world or whatever, best ever. I, I go with the Argentinians who have him above Messi. And, you know, they know what they're talking about with two players from their country. I'll, I'll stick with them. And one tribute, probably the best tribute I found for um, Maradona was from Mike Tyson. Probably not someone you'd expect <laughs> to know Maradona that well, but it seems like they were friends. And Mike Tyson, great heavyweight boxer, tweeted, the hand of God, Maradona has left us. In 86, we both won our championships. They used to compare the two of us. He was one of my heroes and a friend. I respected him so much. He will be greatly missed. Now, isn't that great that Mike Tyson, you know, looked up to Diego Maradona? It's just, it's just amazing that that someone of such, you know, superlative sporting prowess looked up to Diego, and it just, yeah, it's just brilliant, isn't it, Andy? Yeah, totally. So, so yeah, yeah, fair play, Mike Tyson. I think you spoke for everyone there. Let's move on to cobbler's related news back to you know back to our bump this week 
it was announced that fans were to be allowed back into stadia via the government announcement to place Northamptonshire into COVID tier two, meaning that cobblers are allowed 2,000 fans into Sixfield Stadium when lockdown ends. Um, the club are using the home game at Sixfields on December the 5th as a private event with the capacity capped at 1,000. Season ticket holders will go into a ballot for tickets and if you're not successful, you should be able to attend the following home game v Lincoln on December the 19th. Um, that's great news all round, isn't it, guys? But you never know, Martin, if a few don't turn up, that record low v Chester from the 80s of 942 might be broken. Um, yeah, there, there, there is that danger, although the thousands, <laughs> the thousands of people we've all met who claim to have been at that game, then maybe it will just <laughs> slay a ghost in our past. Um, but I think, yeah, it, it is positive news for football. I mean, it's, it's going to be great to be, to be back in back in six fields. I mean, I'll take the chances in, in the ballot and I'm sure, you know, sounds like they're going to rotate around pretty fairly. If you get, you know, if you get pulled out for the first one, you're going to miss one of the subsequent ones. So they're doing the right thing. I think by, by season ticket holders, it would be nice if, and, we, and I will talk about the on the fit pitch stuff, but if this little mini, if we wouldn't call it quite a run yet, this it's it not being so bad in the last couple of weeks, if that continues, um, It'll, it, it could be all, it could be all the better, but yeah, I think you know we're all football supporters. We all you know we all want to be there at games, and um, it'll be good. It'll be weird not having away fans. It'll be weird it not being sort of two thirds, three quarters full. But you know we we we're starting from where we're at. There's a there's a, a pandemic. They've got to be sensible, and and you know you would hope that it will be um you know be well managed, and we won't become like you know something that ends up causing more more transmission of virus and I'm sure it wouldn't be happening if it would yeah that's true I just there's a phrase football without fans is nothing and it just it has proven to be that longer it goes on there's the more I find the soul of the game is dripping out without fans so it's getting to the stage fans have to go back in soon to save the game really you know financially you know symbolically whatever you want to call it um James do you reckon, I'll put this to you, do you reckon that Keith Cole wants fans back or doesn't want fans back? Because you know, if they come back and we're not playing that well, they could get on his back pretty quickly, the grumblers. Do you reckon it's better that we we actually play behind closed doors? Well, I guess I guess it gives him a, a bit more freedom in a sense when there's no fans there in that he can stick yeah. to his guns a bit more, might not be swayed by crowd pressure and that. That said, most managers tend to be stubborn and not swayed by crowd pressure in in any sense anyway um i just think even if you don't particularly like the, the your own supporters which i don't think is the, is the case here with keith that i think at the games okay you, you get the grumbles online but i think at the games generally he's he's had pretty good support um so i i, I definitely think he'll want fans back um i think it can potentially you know bring some some of the better play uh, out of some of these players who haven't particularly started their careers with us well. Having fans there might just give them a bit more of a boost, a, a, you know, a bit more willingness to run that extra yard. Um, so I, I no, I think any, I think anyone involved with football will want the fans back. And I think one of the, there's not you know many plus points to this, but I think perhaps the f- one plus point to this whole pandemic is that. It's made clubs realise not necessarily this isn't necessarily this isn't aimed at our level, but certainly higher up has made them realise how crucial fans are um, to the entire experience. Yeah, that's true. Do you reckon, James, that home advantage might come back into play? Because apparently, statistically, home advantage has been a bit, you know, tenuous with lockdown and with no fans. Do you reckon when the fans come back in, it will only be Northampton fans cheering us on? Do you reckon the home advantage will kick back in? Well, it couldn't get any worse under us, could it? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's gonna, yeah, that's that's going to be interesting. Um, I, I would imagine it would have a bit of an impact, yeah. Um, and like you say, we we've not done very well without it. Um, so anything that can help, you know, get us over the line, perhaps I think is 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 to be welcomed. So hopefully that will have that effect with these players. Um, Gima has been put in a bubble with Martin, so don't sit next to them too. They're, they're, they're a bit, they're a bit negative. So. <laughs> uh, 
now if there's there's one thing to, a poor a poor home performance i'd be sat next to jima <laughs> <laughs> of all the people and you, it's you so reckon statistical. the game's gone without fans frankly when i think of things like that i'm quite happy watching it on my laptop or, on, or with the laptop connected to the telly <laughs> i think it's uh, lewis fc they have um like uh, beach huts they're called corporate beach huts and they've got them in the corners of the ground i reckon you could you could uh you could put some deck chairs or something on the back of that east stand where it's all flat you just sit there with your deck chair big, big bit of social distancing a few beers that'd be brilliant yeah. I think. Okay. <laughs> put some sand on top of that thing you know that open bit in the back i reckon you could sit there on that balcony that's never ever been finished just the uh, true corporate experience, but you know, fans will be happy out wherever they get back, and it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, how many if that nine four two will ever be beaten. Because, like Martin said, it will shut the people up. The ten thousand people that said that have been there will shut them up finally. <laughs> the, the newest lower has been uh, achieved, but we'll see what happens. And it, yeah, it's, it's good news overall. Um, there was sort of further good news, well, tentative good news that. Uh, the club are in negotiations with Caleb Chukwamika, the 18-year-old striker, to sign a new pro contract. The club are said to have another option of a year for Chukwamika, but I'm sort of interested to see where this goes after that Daily Mail story, boo, no one likes a Daily Mail, about interest from Aston Villa and Club Bruges. Um, just wonder what happens if you know Villa and or Club Bruges come in for him and are prepared to pay out that extra year option stranger things have happened in football but we'll see where it goes um, James Caleb Chukwumika is a crucial player for us do you think in the future yeah I think he's started really promisingly um, he's got all the attributes you would look for I think in a young striker so I think it, if we can try and get him down to a, a, a contract that, that would be an excellent piece of business by the football club um, so uh, yeah hopefully hopefully signs I think you know, obviously I'm a bit biased here, but I certainly think, okay, uh, I know his brother's at Aston Villa, isn't he? Um, so there might be a bit of an attraction there if they perhaps came calling, you know, Prem Club, reasonably local, your brother's there. But I don't think you can put a price on playing, you know, regular football, which he's doing at the moment. He's already already got, what, 12 or so appearances this season so far. He's not going to get that Aston Villa. And if he is, it's going to be in the under-23s. And... I think he's already shown for, for our youth team that he can he can cut the mustard at, at youth level, uh, and I think what he'll get out of his career long term in playing men's football with the Cobblers for for a couple of seasons, I, I think will be more valuable to him personally than than you know, you know playing in a, an under twenty three league in, in the Prem or whatever. But you know that that's that's his decision. I I hope he he opts to stay with us, and I, I think. He could become a really exciting young player for us if, if he does stay. So hopefully that's what happens. Yeah, it's just that chicken and the egg thing, isn't it? You know, you stay and get game time in League One and puts you in the shot window. And maybe there's even bigger fish that might come in for you later on. Uh, you know, go, such a tough thing to get into a Villa side or even, you know, not massive knowledge of Club Bruges, but they play a pretty good standard. So, you know, obviously over in... Belgium, so that's not even you know, necessarily an easy league to break into. Um, Martin, what do you reckon of about Caleb? He's a very good player, isn't he? And someone, someone we, if he leaves, you know, something's gone wrong somewhere. I think. I think um, there, there, there's clearly been some some bits gone on off off the field, and it, it's right now. I think it, it seems to be going the right direction. I think Curl's been quite open that. He needed to knuckle down a bit. Um, when you hear that, you sometimes there are certain, sometimes stereotypes about young, about young players, and you wonder. But it does feel like, well, he has got stuck into it, and clearly they've talked about his family a lot, which sounds like you know he comes from a really good background, and we, we're we're seeing the dividends. You know, he's looking like from a player who'd not made a first team appearance to somebody who we're a bit worried that Villa are going to take him. It's like, well, there's a fairly competent like league, league one striker. You know, certainly um, Burton game, I think, you know, he got the goal against Wigan. Burton game, I think he looked very, very good. You know, there was that was the first, that was the first wow factor for me, as opposed to a big, big, strong guy who um, is clearly, a, you know, a competent footballer to 
hello, this bloke could be a bit good. That that felt good for me. And and that, I think, smacks of, of good man management. And it sounds like if we're going to get him tied down to a deal, good kind of club financial management as well. And I think from a young player's point of view, you know, there's there's always the attraction of going to a bigger club. You're going to a bigger club where you've played any games. I mean, we can name players that have left us for huge money under the previous thing about where youngsters got took away, like some, uh, was it Mark Randall and such like. The club got like you know three, four hundred grand for, for players who were never heard of again. I think it's it's nice to see a young player establish himself, get a bit of a body of work behind him. Ivan Tony did that. He got a body of work behind him at the Cobblers that meant if he didn't break through at Newcastle, which is always going to be tough, the clubs were going to say, oh, we've seen him do it before. And he's getting, you know, no doubt better coaching now up there. You know, his career path was more than just you're going to go somewhere, never get a game and get released when you're 23 and, and you don't know what you don't know what to do. So I think this feels well managed all around. And I hope um, Caleb signs a contract has a good season, season half with us, you know, not knocks our socks off a few times and a big club comes in, but he's then going somewhere, you know, be it jumping up to a, a championship club, which maybe he's going to play a bit or a, a Premier League club, which is going to have to work a bit harder to, to get through, but he won't be forgotten because he'll have, you know, people look at what he'd, what he'd done and he proved himself at a certain level with the expectation to get better. And if he doesn't succeed at a higher level, well, It'll only be 22, 23, dropping down and people saying, well, we've seen him. We'll take a chance. So, yeah, good business all round. And I, I really like, especially after the Burton game, I'm really beginning to like the guy. Yeah, it's, it's the first time. I just, I don't think we can judge how good the business is until all the business is done. Is that There's no contract signed yet. So we'll see what happens. I'm just not sure how strong a bargaining position you're in with someone who's talented. And I think when I say good business, I've predicated that on this goes through. If it doesn't, <laughs> maybe it was yeah. bad, maybe we did something wrong, or maybe it just wasn't meant to be. But I think trying getting him in the team and getting him tied down will be a fantastic bit of business. Yeah, I, I think in in a lot of ways it's actually the ultimate what's the word um, evaluation, the sort of the judgment of the player pathway. So if you can get a player that's really good, keep him out of the elite player performance plan clutches so for instance uh, his brother Carney went to Villa you know at a young age very good very good player you know better than um, Caleb but just like bound for the top he was taken from Northampton under the elite player performance plan and if you can keep him away from that bring him all the way through to the first team get him that pro contract get him playing games and then do a posh and sell him on for 10 million that is what the player pathway is sort of all about and you've done brilliantly if he goes now to a Club Bruges or something without signing a pro contract. Uh, not, it's not necessarily anything to do with the football club, but something is, will have gone wrong down the line and may, maybe something that's not in the club's hands, we might not know, but hopefully he does sign them. Um, it's the Roy the Rovers stories that we all love, isn't it? You know, sort of local yeah. lad, developed in a youth team, gets his big yeah. chance, does it for you in the league and then, yeah, see what happens. But, you know, at, at least have a run in the, run in the team first and, you know, sort of see... See see whether he's up to it really. Um but yeah, so so far so good. I don't I don't know. If it's not diamonds, it's Melchester Rovers were you. Oh mate. <laughs> Tynecaster away. <laughs> oh, those made up towns that they used to have in football comics. Uh, There's a Dane whole pod on its own. Iron Bridge away, is it? Danefield United. <laughs> Yeah. Where's Danefield United? What, what, what would that be equivalent to? Would that be a, a, like a Midlands? Uh, yeah, in the, alter, in the alternative world, I add, it was sort of almost like Huddersfield. Uh, Danefield. You know, <laughs> no, Northern Milltown. Into it. Danefield. <laughs> We've got Dan, Danefield away in pre season next season. So I'm looking forward to that one. Hopefully the fans will be back in. <laughs> But uh, let's move on from Caleb. Yeah, if you're listening, Caleb, just just sign the contract, mate. Go and send Andy round. He's got links to the uh, the mob. We've talked about it before, so just do the right thing. Um... He'll draw <laughs> he'll draw pictures of you. Yeah, really will, mate. <laughs> no, <not> that. <laughs> right then, 
we had a conversation a few weeks ago about international cobblers accounts on Twitter, Tain in Turkey, and there was some debate about whether they were real or not. Well, it turns out Northampton Town does indeed have a fan in Turkey, and his name is Emil Erkan. Merhaba, Emil. Merhaba, but uh, my surname is actually pronounced Urjan, not Erkan, just to inform you. Okay, uh, yeah, my Turkish is a bit rusty at the moment. You'll have to teach me something. <laughs> no problem. How did you hear about Northampton Town then and start supporting them? Uh, about three years ago, my favorite Turk, my favorite English club, were Manchester United because I had no idea in about leagues other than the Premier League. But then I decided, yeah, Manchester United have gone a bit stale now. I may as well start supporting an EFL club. And okay, and I fancied Northampton Town. From then on, I researched about the club, and I grew to love more and more the Cobblers. That's that's absolutely brilliant. Um, do you think there's any other Turkish fans of Northampton, or have you spread the word about Northampton to your family or friends? Yes, I have, but they don't understand about EFL much because they don't no. follow football that much like I like I do. Sure. Some do follow football, but not as much as I am. I do. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And um, do you get much news about the EFL in Turkey, or do you just have to use the internet to find out about stuff? Well, most of the time I use internet, but in recent years, uh, our digital broadcasters, especially being sports, Digiturk have started to broadcast at least once or at least one or two championship games in Turkey, and okay. sporadically League One and League Two games as well. Yes, also some of my friends on Twitter also support other EFL clubs like Brentford, Sunderland. Hull City, etc. We've even formed a group called EFL Turkey on Twitter, and we've already got about 400 followers there. Oh, so did you know? Do you know much about Northampton itself, the town where the football club play, or is that something you're sort of learning and learning about a little bit? I'm still learning about it, to be honest. I made a lot of research. I even and sometimes looked at Google Maps, uh, you know, Street View. I'm trying to learn what streets are there. Wow. Yeah. That's that's cool. Yeah, it's not it's not a, it's not a bad uh, town really. It's in the middle of the country and it's quite big. You know, we're a football club with quite a lot of history, aren't we? And uh, a lot of it in the lower yeah. leagues. So exciting being an Northampton fan. Have you found so far? Because we we get promoted and relegated a lot. Yes, because I'm a I'm also a born and bred Galatasaray supporter. Because of my dad, my family in general. So when you're a Galatasaray fan, you're like a Manchester United fan or a Liverpool fan or Manchester City. You are used to tasting championships and not used to suffering. Yes. Supporting Northampton Town in a way has been a challenge for me, experiencing (laughs) relegation, promotion, etc. Yeah. Because it's a slightly different from maybe if you're yeah, following Galatasaray or you know Fenerbahce or something like that, where they have some success and um, yeah, in the league. Um, who's your favourite player for Northampton at the moment? At the moment, I'd say my favourite player. Uh, I think it would be Danny Rose. Okay. It could be Ricky Holmes as well. Yes, Ricky Holmes is a fan favourite, isn't he, in Northampton? He indeed so, is. What do you like about Danny Rose particularly? Well, I think he is some sort of an some sort of an experienced player. And by yeah. the way, I also like Nicky Adams as well. He's a fan yeah. favorite too. Sure. Yeah, Rose is um, very experienced, and uh, yeah, he hasn't really maybe tied down a place in the first team too much because there's a lot of competition up in the strikers' positions. But he, when he plays, he always tries hard. Yes, I mean when he was playing for Mansfield, he always. Uh, put Curl under pressure, and before yeah. him, Dean Austin. Yeah, that's true. So, have you ever been to Northampton yet, or are you you hoping to come one day? I've never been abroad. Ah, okay. So maybe Northampton could be your first uh, trip abroad. <laughs> I hope so. 
Would you like to come and watch a game at Sixfields or the PTS as it's called? Surely. Yeah, it's um, at the moment we're just about to have some more fans in soon in the next next week or so, so that'll be nice. But um, you know, maybe in the next year I've or so. Heard, I've just heard that Northamptonshire is in Tier Two, which means you will get about two thousand fans in the in Sixfields. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think for the first game one thousand, and then the second game two thousand, but. I, th- I think it's just the more fans, the better, really, because the players need the supporters really to cheer them on. Do you think? Yeah, when I come when I come to Northampton one day, I wouldn't only go there to see the Cobblers. I also would like to see the Saints because, unlike most of the Turks, considering our population, I'm all I'm also interested in rugby as well, rugby union in particular. Oh, that's good. Yeah, we we're lucky then because Northampton obviously has. Both uh, rugby and football and cricket. If you ever ch- yeah. look at that, that's quite a confusing game for for a Turk. But <laughs> yeah, we, we have cricket too. Uh, I also play rugby union in my university, but unfortunately, due to pandemic, I can't go to Ankara. So rugby is a growing sport, maybe in Turkey. It is. Turkey has been, uh, how do you say, admitted as a full member into World Rugby this year, Miss May. Ah, oh, cool. Yeah. So uh, on a match day when Northampton are playing, do you uh, get to watch the games on the iFollow or the stream or something on the internet? Well, the thing is, I wish I could watch an iFollow more because due to the devaluation of Turkish Lira, it gets a lot more to watch them. So for one instance, I decided to watch a game against the Posh in which we lost 2-0 this October. Uh, I have to pay 80 Turkish Liras for that, which is quite expensive. Sure. So it's actually too expensive. Yeah, that's not good, is it? Um, so if you do get to watch a game, do you uh, have a little ritual? Do you sit there and like cheer the, the team on like a fan in England might do? Well, if I cheer too much, I think I might be disturbing other people in a household or in their apartments, really. Ah, <laughs> uh, you you have to get a loud voice if you want to come to the six fields because we need we need the loud supporters to turn up. Bring yeah. some fans to Tesserai, that would be good. <laughs> but I do wear the kit. Yeah, so you've got a cobbler's kit that you wear. Yes, I'm actually wearing one. Cool, cool. It's yeah. uh, this season's. This season's one. Yes, it cost me 417 Turkish liras, but it was worth it. Wow, and did you have to get that sent over from Northampton? Yes, I ordered it from this store, as a matter of fact, club store. Well, I think that after people hear this, you might be getting sent some more stuff because I think you deserve it uh, for supporting cobblers all the way from Turkey. So if anyone's listening and the club are listening, let's get some um, stuff sent over to you, some merchandise stuff, because you're obviously a, a top fan and we need to keep our... You know, Northampton haven't got the most international fans. We've got a few, but... You know, if we've got any in Turkey or whatever, we need to, you know, support you too. So hopefully you'll get some merchandise sent to you. And uh, maybe the club, hopefully, if they listen in, they can, if you come over, maybe give you a free ticket or something. That would be good. Well, the thing is, I haven't got even a passport, really, or a visa for that matter. Yeah, you'll have to get one. You'll have to get one. (laughs) You can't be just a a fair weather fan that only watches from Turkey. You have to come. You have to come to Sixfields. Yeah, maybe in the next year or so, when things calm down with COVID, you might be able to think about a trip over to Northampton, maybe, and some uh, visuals to the, you know, what you've been doing on the internet, looking at the, the streets and stuff. Is there a particular landmark in Northampton that you found on the internet? Have you seen the lift tower? On the internet, I haven't, but I've seen a lot, lots of pictures of lift tower. I've also seen the pictures of Market Square. Market and Square. Uh, I've also seen River Nen, a part of River Nen, really. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's a very nice river. It's. I yeah. think it would be if you've never been out of Turkey, it would be a, you know very interesting to see the landscape in Northampton and well, you know, in England really, and the countryside and stuff. It's it's quite nice. So yeah, we'll uh we'll speak to the club and see if we can get you uh, at least a free ticket or some you know some merchandise or whatever. Um, how do you think Northampton have been playing this season? How would you evaluate their season so far? Uh, so far, if I'm if I'm going to be honest. Uh, I think the season could have been a bit better for us, just a little bit, especially yeah. in the cups. 
FA Cup in particular. Yeah. I think our League Cup run was decent. We've knocked Cardiff City, but we yeah. did lose to Bristol, which was expected, to be honest. Sure. As for the Papa John's Cup, at least we've still got it. But to be honest, I couldn't care less about Papa John's Trophy, even though we haven't won yet, because yeah. because of the reserve sites there, which right. has which has shrunk lots of attendance figures. As yeah. for the league, which is what matters most, uh, it could have been just a bit better. But then again, we got promoted via playoffs last season, so yeah. that's to be expected. We lost. Most, some of our crucial players from last season, be it Good, Turnbull, Wharton, McCormack, Verdane Oliver, he has been on fire in for Gillingham. Yeah. You know more about cobblers than me. You're putting me to shame here. <laughs> <laughs> Your knowledge is great. Where do you think we'll finish this season, Northampton? Do you reckon we'll um, you know, get to mid-table or higher, or will it be a relegation battle, do you think? Uh, rather than a relegation battle, I think... We would be in the lower table or lower mid table, somewhere between 14th to 19th. Yeah. Not necessarily a relegation battle, but I think we'd finish around there. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. I think sort of yeah, slightly higher than the relegation zone will be. Most fans will be happy with that. We just want to stay in this division for a while and just consolidate in it, really. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your account that you've set up on Twitter? It's called Tain in Turkey, which is quite a hard word to pronounce it rhymes with rain funnily enough if you want to pronounce it the word yeah, tiny and turkish yeah yeah so um so is is it basically just a you know a tool for people to find out about northampton that are in turkey uh not necessarily not only like that but also i want to introduce people to the cobblers as well as you know i had a I had a regular series called, in English, The Binoculars of the Cobbler, or in Turkish, as I call it, Ayakabucunun Durbunu. Right. And on there, I regularly introduce our opponents just a day, just one day before the match or on the match day. I introduce cool. them to our opponents, give them a detailed history about both their history as well as their their current form, their most crucial players, their managers, etc. That's that's cool. Do you um do you have like a, a you know a an account in Turkish that someone else runs that you've got a rival rivalry with, or you you know you you talk to about games with? You know, you said there was one in Brent like a Brentford fan and stuff. Well, uh, I haven't got any. Posh supporter in Turkey. Yeah, <laughs> supporter over there, or hopefully they haven't spread over there. <laughs> Let Let's not hope so, really. I also write some football stuff on journeymanstories.com, which is my own website. I suggest cool. you check it out, though I haven't been writing stuff for four months. That's great. It just seems yeah. that... Um, you're doing a great job of spreading the word about Northampton in Turkey and also with your other writing work as well. That's, that's really cool. Um, how do you think that we're, Cobblers will get on in their next game? It's next week, isn't it now? Do you reckon, do you reckon we need an, an, another win? I, we, do, we do really need a win. And seeing Harry Smith's on, been on fire, three goals in two games... Yep. Uh, I'm not sure where our next opponents are. Doncaster Rovers, we're playing next week. Uh, we have it is Fleetwood, isn't it? Fleetwood next week, and then Doncaster on Saturday. So it's Fleetwood managed by Joey Bath. They're quite a difficult side to beat, so that'll be a hard one, I think. Well, I think we could get a draw. Plus, it would be a bit emotional for Jack Sowerby, who came us, who came to us from Fleetwood. Very true. Very true. Very poignant game. Well. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me and we'll keep an eye on your, your account and hopefully put you in touch with the club to uh, reward your support for Northampton from Turkey, which is pretty amazing. So um, you take care and keep in touch and we'll speak again soon. OK, thank you very much. Thanks it's a lot. It's been a pleasure. 
Uh, let's move on to the cobbler's A to Z. Ian Brandt's not here this week. He's still stuck outside Chili Village, but it was his idea. And we are on to the letter K. I don't know how 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 how, how much through the alphabet are we now? Now like through letter K. K, K is the eighth letter of the alphabet. So that's no, I'm not even halfway. Way. Oh God. <laughs> It's just going to stretch off for you. <laughs> but we're on letter K, and we are working our way through, listeners. And we get some really good treats every week that we really appreciate. Um, Jefferson Lake will hopefully be back next week, and he tweeted us the first response, which was Kevin Thornton, who we talked about a little bit before. Just We talked about sort of genius tarnished with, you know, a little bit of the other side of it um, in terms of their personality, maybe. Um Martin's a big fan of Kevin Thornton. And um, what about you, James? Were you must have been sporting coppers when he was around? Kevin Thornton, just a very skilled oh, player. Absolutely loved Kevin Thornton. One of those players who you don't get too many of them at the cobblers. You can just you'll be on the edge of your seat wondering what he's going to yeah. do, whether it be with a football or just kicking someone or, or someone like that. You, you just he was just a joy to watch. I remember particularly there was a a home game against Shrewsbury, I think, where he scored an absolute screamer. And then who can forget, obviously, the shooting of the cop after his penalty. Uh, just an absolute joy to watch. And uh, I remember um, I remember going to a, a an open forum when Samo was the manager. I remember my dad asking, because um, just like about Kevin Thornton, he went, oh, have you ever thought about um, signing Sean, his brother? And uh, Samo, quick as an axe, went, it's bad enough managing one Thornton, let alone two, um, which I think will will tell you everything you need to know about what a pain he could have been uh, for, for managing. Uh, yeah. But just brought so much joy uh, when he almost again we we talked about Maradona, but almost had that kind of again he a bit you know flawed you know flawed genius in a sense down at our level. Um, he was just an absolute joy to watch, wasn't he? We were talking about players that are comfortable on the ball and skillful. He had skill to burn. Although he wasn't a particularly talented in Samson's side, I think he'd been brought in sort of on a short-term deal or whatever, but just to play with just brilliant skill and personality, which a lot of players don't really have these days. He had personality, a bit of a you know, rogue and stuff, but you know, we don't always want players that are completely straight down the line and just yeah, a crowd, crowd favourite. Let's move on to Quick Whittington, who... <laughs> tweeted us Kenny Duca, the good doctor, one of the favourites of Soccer Saturday. Uh, I think he came in from Gretna, am I right? Kenny Duca, striker. Quite a good player, wasn't uh, he? Yeah, yeah, Gretna on loan. Yes, he'd, um, he'd obviously be, he became a bit of a legend, scoring kind of every week on, on Soccer Saturday. For whatever reason, he must have uh, fallen out with the, the manager there. And, and end up with us. I remember that being sat, I was working at one of our places off Junction 18 in Davenport, sat in the canteen checking on transfer deadline day. And it's like we made, I think we might have made a couple of signings, but Kenny Duke were on loan. I can't remember who else we signed that day, but it was like, oh, oh my God, God, the good doctor. How, how good is this? And I think we had Blackpool on Saturday. It might have been Grand National weekend. Um, I think that was his day. Yeah, we've got Simon Cox, I think, around the same Mark time. Hughes. Was that Would that sound right? Yeah, I think it was Mark Hughes we signed on the same day from Everton. Right. Okay. So yeah, I mean, a couple of yeah, a couple of good play, good players as well. And there was some some guys. It was a really sunny kind of late March, I think, weekend. Me and my mates had done a weekend in Blackpool. Got to the game and there's some some guys have got doctors' coats there. It just everything was great. And I think we um we might have ended up losing four one, but I think we took the lead at one point at least. Um. But it was, yeah, signing someone's a bit of a legend. He's he probably a bit out of his depth as a striker um, playing. I think that would have been League, league One. Um, but we, you know, it was just seeing a guy who you felt like you knew because of Jeff Selling and Soccer Saturday. It was great. And I think got probably got three goals in 20 games. But he wasn't like a, yeah, he was a guy who put a shift in. So you couldn't really dislike him. And... You know, I think I still follow him on Twitter, and he just does his doctoring now. I think he might be an SNP, like councillor or something as well, or certainly activist. Just see, like a thoroughly all-round good bloke, and it was great that we were the one English team he played for. I thought he was actually a pretty good player in his time for us. It was hard, you know, to make a complete judgment because he wasn't there that long. But it was a bit of a bit of a lump, wasn't he? And 
knew where the goal was to an extent. So, yeah, and it's just nice for cobblers to have anyone famous in. It's just adds a little bit of spice, doesn't it? And, uh, you know, if there's any illnesses in the squad, he probably would have to treat the players too. So, you know, double it up. Tell the physio to hold on, I've got this. <laughs> is there a doctor in the house? Well, yes, there is. I play for the football club. Uh, so that was a good one from Quick Whittington. Um, Deborah Marshall, I'm sorry about this, Andy, but Deborah Marshall has mentioned Joe Kinnan and John Killer Carrillo. Oh. So I'm bringing back some bad memories for you with the bus with his son. But we'll get over that. We've got over that now. You know, it was all in good. It was all, it was all dropped as uh, it said. <laughs> I mean, last week's, but last week's pod was like therapy. Yeah, he's got it out now. <laughs> <laughs> got out of your system. But yeah, I'm at the hypnosis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there were two very good players, obviously, from the 60s uh, from Deborah Marshall, Joe Keenan, and John Killer Carrilla. Some very good players from Northampton's history. David Garrett has gone for Keith McPherson, and he said, legs like Marcel Desailly. Slightly before my time, but that's that ring true. Keith McPherson was immense. Um, even Russell, Russell Wilcox, centre halves, 84, 80, oh, sorry, 85, 86, I think uh, McPherson played. Then Wilcox joined him, eight, um, 86, 87, and that, that was just we we had. Yeah, so some immense players in that that Graham Carr season, and, and McPherson always struck as a quiet sort of bloke, but just went on and did stuff. I remember reading, really, if I'm looking up at my my bookshelf, um, I've got Roy McDonough's autobiography, and uh, who was a, a some uh, Andy, you might remember McDonough was a striker for Colchester South End, a couple of others, brubby lad, nasty piece of work, wrote really good autobiography. And one of his only regrets in his game was when he was playing against Reading, he stuck the elbow in on McPherson because he wound up at something. And he said, Keith was just this really nice, quiet bloke, didn't deserve what I did to him. Which kind of felt like, yeah, he just hit the cobblers. Big, strong lad. Yeah. Never did anything. He just, maybe that's why he ended up playing like kind of Division 4, Division 1 at the time, maybe not making it a West Ham where he come from. But yeah, just seen a really quiet, good guy yeah. and just... Just quiet, great athlete, efficient. Yes, yeah, really good. Cool, yeah, that was a good one. Um, yeah, Craig Adams, who I believe was a Cobblers player, uh, maybe a reserve player or something. He's on Twitter. It's called Craig Bully, Bully Adams. I'm going to look into the Andy. If you're um, if you've got your book, look for Craig Adams and see if he ever appeared. Name sounds familiar. Yeah, he seems to know his stuff, and when he's tweeting us, and he has gone for Ken Gillard who I remember from the 90s, I think, county ground days, who... I'm pretty sure you should remember him because of one of your favourite players, but go on. OK, you can you can tell me in a minute. Um, so, yeah, Ken Gillard um, is now a youth <laughs> team coach at Arsenal, very well-respected coach. So, you know, it's funny how football works out. What were you going to say, Martin? Well, I'm pretty sure that we'd had Gillard on loan... And he was decent yep. enough left, decent enough left back, quite quite aggressive. And then he played against us for Cole U. Um and he absolutely levelled F on E lad and got a straight red about ten minutes into a game. Oh my god, he's gone instantly down in my So you know, you need <laughs> one follow that Craig Adams right now because he's brought back memories of someone damaging oh. your hero. Oh, my God. How could he do that? I think, you know, sometimes when you're in the face of greatness, you just have to lash out. That's what yeah. it was. He just realised he was nowhere near as good as the great F&E I'm lads. I'm pretty so. sure that's the... We, well, probably check it out and just check that someone did play for Cobbers and Cole U. But I'm pretty sure that's the guy. If not, it was another blonde-haired, le- blonde-haired left-back who went from us to Cole U. Did you hear that story of um, Cameroon, I think, playing uh, against... Argentina. Argentina. Oh, what a game! That the Claudio Canigia foul. Yeah, and apparently they <laughs> Best were crying. Foul ever. <laughs> apparently they were crying in the tunnel because some of the players were crying because they were in the presence of Diego Maradona and they couldn't believe yeah, yeah. they were on the picture of him. Now, do you reckon that when Ken Gillard was in the tunnel with Ethan Elad, he was crying as well to be in the presence of such greatness? <laughs> highly likely, and that's why he had to take him out the next time he played. Un- sort of unless. Out. Unless a young Ishmael de Montagnac was in the tunnel in his first football game as about a six-year-old, I don't think he was. 
Um, have you found any trace of Craig Adams yet? Or have you not bothered? <laughs> I don't blame you if you have. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm, but... I'm pretty sure he was. He played at us, or certainly was around our club. There's a so guy, I thought it was Craig with a C, mind. But, um, yeah, that's it. That's yeah it. one appearance in 91-92. There we go, then. That sort of fits, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've got it. I've, I've got it. Go. <laughs> what a podcast. We're all on Wikipedia. It's <laughs> uh, a tremendous. Yeah, I'll have you managed, go. Managed, coached and managed. At, well, played one game for us. Um, coached and managed at Wellingborough and Bedford. Oh, here's a link. Was appointed to us as assistant to Gary Mills, who was uh, obviously at the Summariser on Saturday on the radio at Rugby wow. Town. Wow. There we go. He obviously knows but his stuff. Late, May 2016, left his position at Peterborough United under-16s, always a good move, even if it's to the dole queue, uh, to become the assistant manager to Chris Nunn at Biggleswade Town. Now, who can name Biggleswade Town's chairman? That's Guillaume Balag, isn't it? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, he doesn't appear in uh, Frank Grun's book, I have to say. Um, there are oh. holes in Frank Grun's Cobbler's history. I'm looking at 91-92 now. Yeah, it's got what it's got one appearance, yeah, no, no goals. But you know, when the, someone's career is listed, I looked at Junior Race for whatever reason a bit earlier, just see what he was doing now. And he's you know, I'm here for a year, there for a year, another place for a year. I've got Northampton 91 92, Northampton Town, one appearance, no goals, VS rugby gap, just nothing. That is it. So, um, but that suggests because they only do league on that, don't they? Yeah, so that'd be one league appearance, but he doesn't appear in the season record for that that year, which has upset me. Well, he's a defender, he's a little younger than me, and um, well, and, and he guess he listens to our podcast well, which is which is great. Cheers, Craig, on raising a bottle of Peroni to you. <laughs> Cheers, Craig, you know. One game for the Cobblers is better than what we've achieved. So <laughs> more, yeah. more appearances than the rest of us put together. Exactly, exactly. And he also went for Kevin Wilkin. You know, we talked to him, him about him a little bit. Manager at Brackley Town and just a recipient of those brilliant fouls in the Hereford game. I always just say have a little watch of that because he obviously got smashed to pieces by these uh, bold Hereford assassins that day. Um, so that's a good one from Craig. Thanks a lot, Craig. A.D. Richards has gone for Alex Constantini with a K. Youth team, signed a professional contract, made no league appearances, it appears, now playing in Cyprus. So that probably has a link to his surname. That sounds pretty Cypriot to me. Didn't he get so a goal he... that cost the trip to Anfield? Or got... He scored in that Reading game, didn't he, in extra time? We then won on points and got... Um, well, I think there was some debate whether it was him who got the goal or whether it was an own goal. But he came on and basically made the goal, didn't he? Which then, yeah, yeah got us through to the penalties shootout against Reading which we won, and then got the Anfield tie. So, cheers, Alex. Did well there. So, without Alex Constantini, we might not have had that at Anfield. Right? Yeah. Pretty much. I think, yeah, I could be wrong, but I think that's I think that's what happened, yeah. That's pretty cool. Tim Moore has gone for Keith Welch, the goalkeeper, and he was a very good goalie. Um, I know he's one of your favourites, Martin. James, do you the remember best, Keith Welch? The best keeper we have ever had. And we yeah. are... Your eyes are lighting up with Keith Welch. Do you remember him as well, James, Keith Welch? Yes, yeah. He, uh, I mean, I started going regularly in 2000, so I think he would have been... Was he the keeper we signed after Woody? Um, Woody was like my first big I kind reckon, of... I reckon I, that sounds right. Uh, and I, I remember being gutted when we sold Keith Welch. I was just like, oh, this, this Lee Arpa fella will never be as good. And you know what? He was. He, he was a good keeper. Um, but Keith Welsh, I, I just loved watching him because he, he used to just do, he used to take the strikers on, didn't he, with the ball? Yeah. But he, he always came out on top. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I loved watching Keith Welsh. He was a great player. He just looked like a keeper, didn't he? He looked like a David Seaman. Did he had a tash. Dark hair, yeah. tash. Yeah. You trusted him. <laughs> You need that, don't you, as a goalie? You need someone you can look at and trust. You know, the, the, the tash is just like a homely tash. He's like, he's a guy that can catch the ball. Probably, like, probably a subject for our off for our off season. Um, you know, when we're having to um, do a little <laughs> bit more work in the WhatsApp group for our subjects each week. <laughs> too many beards, too few tashes. Discuss. <laughs> exactly. 
I'm going to give James the last word on this because we usually go around the group, but we're sort of running out of time. But James has got a letter K, haven't you, which is sort of slightly left field, but a very important one in the history of the club. Yeah, well, I've gone for Alan Nil. Um, purely down to the fact that I think um, he's responsible for one of the few times that I actually lost my call in the press box reporting on the Cobblers, uh, as he was the brains behind that set-piece goal away at Luton. And that was one of only two occasions where I forgot that I was a reporter and kind of reverted back to being the fan that I am deep down at heart. Uh, put simply, I think it's the best Cobblers goal, team goal I've ever seen. And that season in particular was a season where when we used to get set pieces, there was just such an excitement at thinking, what are we going to come up with now? Because we were so innovative from set pieces that year, from, you know, doing short corners. Obviously, with the kind of free kicks, I think it all kind of started with that... Um, Joe Byram free kick that we used to run quite a few times where he would make the run down the left past the wall and have the shot and I think it was Shrewsbury away where we got a goal like that and that was the first time I'd seen the Cobblers do anything kind of innovative from a set you know a free kick rather than just belting it into the area or belting it at a goal um and I was just thinking Christ that was good and then obviously we uh had the Luton one uh there was uh, there was one at home to Morecambe, I think, in the pro- in the promotion season where um, Joel Byram just slipped a call as you like pass through to James Collin and just tucked it away. And we were just so innovative that year. And you, you spoke to all the players and they said that, you know, Alan Neil was kind of the, the brainchild behind, you know, those training ground set pieces and, and things like that. And I, I don't think he, I don't think he, is ever underestimated for the part he played in that season, um, where you almost had two really good lower league managers in in one package, didn't you? And that was the first time that Wilder and kind of Neil worked together in the sense where Wilder was manager and and Neil was the assistant. And um, you know, it, it's proven to work. Um, and I know they're going through a little bit of a difficult spell at the moment at Sheffield United, but you look at what that duo have achieved uh, over the last five years. And Alan Neil played a massive part in hands down the best season I've ever seen as a Cobblers fan. And luckily enough, one I was privileged enough to report on at the time. So um, Neil, uh, big, big vote of thanks from, from me to Alan Neil for what he's done for the football club. James, I am shocked about midday today. One of the, trainers we've got at our depot helping out Serge, big Luton fan stops me and said I was, he said I was thinking about when we played your lot, I remember this free kick once when you hammered us and I had to remind him we only won that game 4-3 but he, he couldn't name the players but he described it, he said it was just what, what, bloody hell <laughs> <laughs> but that's a really good one James, um, sometimes you need those counterbalances don't you two good managers and I think although it's plateauing out a bit for them both at Sheffield United their achievements just fantastic should have given them a good few years to try and iron it out and kick on a little bit so that's a really good one um I'm gonna go off now to write a poison pen letter to Ken Gillard for naming my favorite player of all time FNE lad we just need to do some research to make sure he's that he's the particular the correct lone left back I'm, it's I'm too late now this it's, too late. Oh, right. it's already it's written. Late. it's too late it's him now you said it's him he's gonna have to just cop it but <laughs> but it's been really fun talking to you guys and we'll speak again next week just take it easy and I'll speak to you soon I, I Cheers, fear buddy. it may not be him speak to you soon <laughs> <laughs> too late Martin too late see ya see ya
Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 